0: Hi, and welcome to A Sober Girls Podcast. My name is Sherry, and I am your host. Every Wednesday, we get together and we talk about our journey in sobriety, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. I've been sober for over 10 years now, and I realized that one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was just putting the plug in the jug and not drinking. I never took care of my emotional sobriety, did my step work, or was fully involved in the program until it was almost too late. This is my story, my experience strength, and hope, and what life is like for me on a daily basis as a recovering alcoholic and addict. I am so glad that you are with me. And now, let's get into it. All right, this is Sherry with a Sober Girls Podcast, and this morning we are speaking with. I apologize. Can you say your name, please?
1: Sure, Honesty Liller.
0: Okay, I figured I wanted to make sure I didn't start with <laughs> his name or anything like that. So,
1: uh, oh, you're fine. I get it all the time.
0: Do you really? That's- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lila
1: or Miller, even though it has an L. Yeah.
0: I'm D? good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I get it. Um, so, Honesty is going to tell us her story today, kind of what she does. This is really an open platform, but I'm really excited because a Sober Girls podcast, we are both actually in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. So that's actually really kind of cool for me because even though people all over the world listen to us, you and I are really close to each other. So this is something that I really am going to be interested in because I've heard of the place that you went through for recovery. It's a huge, huge place in Virginia, um, for those of us in recovery. So why don't you go ahead and start your story and we'll just listen. Sure. Um, well,
1: the shorter version, I started using drugs and alcohol when I was 12 years old. I, um, had a little bit of a dysfunctional household growing up and I had a lot of freedom. So I really just wanted to fit in. I was drinking and smoking weed and just like this hippie chick. I was going to like fish concerts and all this stuff that I couldn't imagine my kids going to now because they're uh, now 13 and 21. But anyway, um, you know, I just, I had a lot of low self-esteem. I had a lot of body images, challenges as a woman, as a girl, um, and, I just wanted to be a part of and hang out with people that were doing drugs and drinking alcohol, you know, that progressed, um, till age about 15, I started doing other drugs like smoking crack and, and doing cocaine. And it was just all the people I ended up hanging out with, you know, their wow. so-called friends. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah. My story is pretty wild. I mean, it's like a lot of people's, but it's pretty wild, um, And, you know, that just didn't uh, work out for me very long. I mean, I was still in school. I graduated high school when I was 16. So a year early so I could um, have a job full time to support my drug habit because I didn't have (laughs) um, a very good, um, you know, my family was not wealthy by any means. So I had to support my own drug habit instead of asking them for money. So I worked full time at age 16 and really just kind of went with the flow, just, you know, doing drugs, passing drug tests. I don't know how, um, you know, fake urine a lot. And then when I was 17 is when I found heroin and that's when um, really, my life went down there for, for a while. So, I mean, I was still drinking off and on to try to like stay off of other drugs. Um, it just didn't work out for me because as soon as I used that first time using heroin, my opiate receptors went off in my brain. Ah. And what that, yeah, what that means for us that are opiate users is it's a part it's not even just a party. It's like a numbing feeling. I didn't have yes. to like, Be like super responsible. I all my body images, challenges, and like uh, depression and anxiety and just like not liking myself as a human like went away because when you do opiates and in most drugs, even alcohol, you know you you become numb. And you know I fell in love with it. I remember the first day I used it on my mom's front porch, and I swore I never would use it because I'd already had a friend that overdosed and died. Um, then I don't know, a couple months later I ended up overdosing and getting brought back to life with the life saving drug called Narcan Nalaxone. Um, it's yes. an opiate reversal drug. So when I was seventeen, I overdosed. My family found out I was on drugs. So I hit it very well for five years with wow. the name- yeah. Well with That's a name impressive. like honesty, I was the biggest liar ever. Even at a little as a little girl before I even started using drugs, I remember stealing and doing all this stuff. I don't know. I I don't know. God had a plan for me and where I am now, but you know, doing heroin every day. I mean, you get addicted to it. You know, I got addicted early and after I overdosed, um, I went to my first 12 step meeting. I was 17 and everybody in that meeting was like a hundred. So I just couldn't pick up what they were putting down. Yeah. Um, you know, it just wasn't my jam and I wasn't willing to get rid of the, you know, the people that I was hanging out with, you know, these are my so-called friends, you know, yeah. and, so I I think I stayed off it for about a week or so, and then I started using it again and using other drugs. Um, I mean, for nine years I used um, heroin and other opiates. I definitely tried the just drinking method, detox, whatever. Um, but again, nothing worked for me. You know, once I um, put any type of substance in my body, I automatically wanted um, heroin. I automatically wanted opiates cause it wasn't enough for me. Um, eventually whether it was a week, a day. So nine years was my opiate addiction and it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. I, um, did everything to, uh, my mind, body, and soul that was negative. I harmed everyone around me that loved me. I harmed society. I committed a lot of felonies, a lot of crimes. Um, I believe in guardian angels and I believe in a higher power and you know, I never, I never got arrested or anything like that. So that's not part of my story. Um, I should be in prison probably forever for the things I did do to get drugs.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like when you're dope sick, you do whatever you have to do as a woman, as a human, whatever. Um, so I did a lot of things. You know, and then through those nine years, um, I got pregnant with my daughter. I was 21 years old when I had my daughter. So I was still a baby basically, but I, I had already lived so many lives. You know, I had to grow up pretty, pretty quickly in my household because of my household situation. So Mm -hmm. 21 year old. Thought she knew everything, addicted to heroin, got pregnant, um, used my whole pregnancy. And then my daughter was born and withdraw from heroin as well. Um, yeah. So the shame that comes with that is um, books and books and books I can write on just shame and guilt and the stuff that I went through as a mom, as a as a woman, as a human, um, because of the things that it did, you know, to her, to her body, you know and just to her soul you know and after i had had her the state came in they mandated me to a methadone program so i stayed on that for 2 years i used every other drug um cuz i brought in fake urine for 2 years so i so they wouldn't take my daughter even though i couldn't be a mom to her cuz i was still putting her in danger every day i was still doing drugs i was putting her in the car doing all of those things Um, and then I graduated that program, social services, I guess, went away. I never saw him after I uh, delivered her. So I don't really know what happened with that. Um, but I used for three more years and, um, you know, when, when she was four, it was like when my family were like, try to do interventions on me, I've done Jesus, I've done baptism, I've done 12 step, I've done psychiatry. (laughs) Yeah, I really thought... Yeah. I thought Jesus would help me and, (laughs) and, you know, take the water and, and I would never use heroin again and not knocking Jesus or anything, that did not work for me.
0: Yeah.
1: We love That's totally fine. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then like, uh, I went away to treatment. So went away to this 28 day program. I was with my daughter's father for about six years before that. It was pretty miserable. I mean, we were just using buddies. We were partners in crime. I think there was some love there, but we were so young. He was 17 and I was 19 when we met and I went away to this treatment. It was a couple hours away and I finally woke up after 14 years. uh, Well, that at that point was 13 years of using and you know, I liked it. It was my first time. You know, basically, I detox meds and cigarettes, but my first time drug free um, in over thirteen years. And you know, I I started my mind slowly started. You know, coming barely together and. I left her father over a payphone. I just said I can't do this anymore. You know, we've been together 6 years. We made a child, my daughter was with my mom. I could not take care of her. Mm. I just left her. And um you know, I wanted to change, but I didn't know. We learned about recovery in this place and 12 step and stuff like that, but like I immediately walked outside and I saw a cute boy playing basketball and I fell in lust, you know? So after the six years and cheating and all that drama that comes with relationship, I left him and treatment and then I walked outside and I don't say love, I say lust cause that's all it was for real. And then um, after we both completed the 28 days, you know, I came home, I had my car, my kid, my job and my apartment waiting for me. I'm not a big believer on 28 days and then here's your life back. I just, I don't believe that's not my professional personal philosophy. Yep. You know, for me, I went to 12 step meetings. Um, and then he ended up moving in with me after like two months, you know, of dating, it was a mess. You know, I, I, I was, I was selfish and self-centered, but also I wanted to please him because of all my, um, um, all of my low self-esteem and all the stuff I've done to myself as a woman and as a mom. And I just wanted someone there with me. It's just, And don't it you deeper.
0: feel like too, that you want to feel like you've got it together at this point. And so you need to be with him to prove that you're okay to prove that you can make something work. Like, right. Uh, I feel like I, okay, I'm sober now I can do this. I can make this relationship work. I can make, but in reality, that soon with another addict who's just coming out, like, you're right. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a mess. I just wanted someone to
1: love me. I wanted to have, honestly, I just want to have sex with someone different. Like I just, you know, I just wanted to, Someone, I thought I was cute, you know, because I finally stopped doing drugs, even though we think we're cute when we're on drugs and we are not. Oh my um, God, no. <laughs> and Yeah. I just wanted that love, you know, because I could love myself. So I wanted someone else to love me, you know, in early recovery, it's hard to love yourself. And. Um, ultimately we both started using, so we used for about a year together, um, after like a couple months of going to meetings and stuff. And it was the worst year. It was the worst year of all of my using, um, that last year, year was pretty bad. I mean, the stuff that I did to myself, my daughter, my family, and just everyone, you know, panhandling, all the stuff that you have to do to get money, um, because you're so addicted to heroin. You know it was pretty rough it was rough um it's still like certain places i drive by after 15 years in recovery it's still like triggering not that i want to go use yeah. i'm like damn i did that in that parking lot you know right. what i mean the clarity after the yeah.
0: fog right when the clarity I- hits you and you're driving by and you're like oh my no i know,
1: I know. Things- and i'm not even gonna say, yeah <laughs> today. I was like, I did $40 for what? And it was just, right. it was a mess. You know, I was yeah. a different person. I'm a different human today yeah. than I was then. Um, was your so-
0: addiction tenfold at that point? Like had, had you seen the progression
1: from, the- Oh God. Yeah. I was dope to- sick. I was shooting heroin. I was, um, not eating. I mean, all of that stuff we do. I didn't have any, when we cleaned up my apartment, when I finally found McShane, um, there was no food. There was just, um, the hot cocoa mix with marshmallows. I couldn't feed my daughter. I left her again with my mom. I couldn't see her because I was always dope sick. It was just, it was a mess. I was not a good human at all. And I had, you know, addiction. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily my fault. It was, I was addicted to heroin and that's all that was important to me. Because when you're dope sick, you, I'm not a good dope sicker either. I will hit you, punch you, rob you, whatever I have to do to be well. Um, so then I found the McShin Foundation. So I found McShin, my mom did my stepmom knows John Schinholzer, one of the co-founders. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. Back in, um, I was 26 years old in 2007. I walked through these doors as my office now, but, um, I walked through the McShin foundation. What that is, is a peer led recovery community organization. I honestly just wanted detox meds. I did not want to stay here. I wanted medication so I can not be dope sick. I was going to go home. And me and Adam, which is now my husband, the boy I met in treatment. Are get- you
0: serious? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I yeah, it's a whole, I wrote a book. So I have a book too, that people can buy and read it too. Oh, but,
0: we are promoting that. Cause uh, it on the yeah, <laughs>
1: it's, yeah, it's funny. It's traumatic, but it's funny too. Um, So yeah, McShin saved my life. I planned to stay here for a week. Um, I lived in a female recovery house. It was only a few women at the time. Back then in 15 years, there was not a lot of women staying in recovery, even in like the 12-step community adopted me because there was no female staff here. It was just three men that worked here. We had three recovery houses at the time um, and then a couple offices down in the basement of Hatcher Church. Well, I ended up living here for five months. I lived in the female house for five months. I got my daughter back. Um, My older sister let me live with her until I had a year in recovery. Um, I did leave the boy I met in treatment when I came to McShin for like four months. We, I just focused on recovery, focused on building a network of women, doing everything the opposite I did for 14 years, you know, um, And it worked, you know, slowly you had to go day by day and you had to like, you know, live, you know, drug and alcohol free every single day. And I wasn't good at that. Like I complained a lot. I wanted everything when I wanted it. I had to crawl out of a very dark black hole very slowly, you know, and Um, McShen helped me do that. And the women in recovery that are still my friends today helped me do that. And I started working here when I was five months in recovery. So when I moved out of the female recovery house, um, John hired me just to kind of help with the women and do some administrative stuff. I had so many jobs while I was using. So I picked up little treats kind of here and there. And um, yeah, and just like it grew into the beautiful thing that it is now. And you know, after I got my year in recovery and I did service work, I did everything. I'm, you know, I took every, not every, probably 92% of every suggestion given to me by another woman, you know, one of my predecessors and someone that had longevity of recovery because I didn't want to die. Number one. yeah. And once I got destiny back, my daughter, I really wanted to try to be a mom because I didn't know how to be one, especially without drugs. And, you know, I just slowly learned a ton of things and learned how to be a recovery advocate, um, learn how to be a leader, you know, in this field. And I've done some education and you know, self-taught a lot of this. Like I've worked my ass off for my position that I'm in in life today. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. And the boy that I met in treatment, we ended up getting back together after I left McShin and, uh, we got married. Uh, we had our son before we got married. Um, so our son is a recovery baby and,
0: Aww.
1: you know, yeah, I mean, it took me years to like really learn what, how to love myself, um, you know, and that is still a work in progress, but it's 10 zillion times better than it was, um, as well as like learning how to like show others how to love themselves. So yes, McShinn now has 15 recovery houses. We have three. <gasps> Three, yeah, three jail programs, family programming. We're all in recovery that work here, um, and about eighty-five to ninety percent of our staff have lived in our program. So we we built a macro, like we've built an organization um, basically from ground up, and it's been a beautiful but hard process for sure. Yes. This is an emotional career that I have. Um, But yeah, I mean, recovery, I keep it on the the front burner, no matter what, like I know, especially now with the fentanyl, like they don't have really old fashioned heroin anymore. It's fentanyls and everything. So people are just dying and dying. And You know, it's my role as the CEO of this organization and female leader of the organization to show others behind me how to do it too, you know, and we call ourselves hope dealers like yourself, I'm sure. And we just kind of show, you know, the community at large um, because we do a ton of stuff nationally. McShin is well-known nationally. Uh, We are the only accredited recovery community organization in the state of Virginia. That's so We got a lot. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work, but we do a lot of cool stuff for the community and nationally as well. We help other states open RCOs and open jail programs, which is really cool and and been beautiful to see all these years. My daughter is now 21. She is in nursing school and works at a local hospital. She has no long-term effects from my heroin use. Our relationship is beautiful and amazing and um, open and just like stuff I never dreamed of, you know, I never imagined uh, my life getting the way it is today. Mm -hmm. And our son is 13. He's never had to see me use a drug or alcohol. Um, He's in three different sports, you know, and and my husband's in long-term recovery as well. So we're, we're doing great. I mean, life, you know, goes on every single day, but I think, us in recovery have a couple extra tools on how to get through life because we've had such a hard life before we got into recovery, yep. and we're taught so much cool shit about how to cope with life, yeah. and how to cope with COVID, and how to cope with um people with horrible attitudes. Like you know how to work through all of that and co- continually
0: working on our souls. Absolutely, um, so I think one of, of the bigger yeah. one of the bigger things is too is I know for me. <clears throat> is, you know, whenever somebody gets like, even my parents or my relatives, people close to me, if they decide to get shitty with me, I'll just be like, they don't have the program. Do you find yourself doing that? Yeah, I did. I did
1: really that a long time. Like I used to do that for years. Like, gosh, they need a worker. But in reality, it's like, what, how do I handle the situation? Exactly. Now Um, it's
0: on me because they don't have the program. So it's on me to be able to handle the situation of how they're behaving. I have to react accordingly knowing how I would based on my program. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, Life, humans are going to be humans no matter what, you know, yep. and I'm not a perfect one by any means, but I definitely know when I'm wrong. I can feel when I'm wrong. Yep. I can admit when I'm wrong. Um, But also like how to do well in the world, you know, and, and be successful. And that's not a dollar sign to me. That's really being a female leader in this role yes. um, in the position that I'm in to help other leaders on um, specifically the female leader and in my book you'll learn it's called Scattered Pink um but it's best selling on Amazon I just published it this past February so it's been almost a year to be honest Almost a year yeah Yeah um it's been a it's been a wild ride actually it's I don't know I just I wanted to do it. I manifested it. I did it. It took me 10 months to write. So if I can do it, you can do it too, listeners. Um, and I self-hybrid published with KWE Publishing. And it's just a hustle. I try to get it in bookstores. I didn't, I can't afford a big, huge publisher. So it's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all the places online. And it's at um, Chop Suey Books in in Carrytown. They were awesome. And oh, in
0: cool. There. Yeah.
1: Um, So in the book, it just kind of teaches you some things about, I mean, it's my story, but like how you can overcome so many different things in your life as a woman um, or someone in recovery or leader or whatever as well. And that's really the internal self-love. I'm a big believer on self-healing and like working on myself. Uh, My huge pathway now is more of like exercise and holistic stuff and writing and journaling and reading. Um, in a lot less twelve step. I don't really do much of the twelve step at all. So my recovery is to evolve. and you know I'm walking in my purpose on a day-to- day basis, you know, a lot you know life is just too short not to, you know, and try to give back to your community and the people
0: that you love. Absolutely. I'm actually really curious. and I told you um in messages and on Instagram, like you have such a unique position and probably someone in recovery that I've met that has created their recovery outside of while you did the 12 steps, now you're into a different type of recovery. And I think that's something that we need to talk about overall. Um, And we have to realize that 12 steps, while the foundation, they don't always work for everybody for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. um people younger people especially in this generation i'm finding at 42 years old they love the spiritual holistic exercise eating right finding those those things that not only that make you feel good spiritually but physically detoxing your body detoxing your soul and i think that's awesome that you do that because i think it gives you a different perspective in a different way to help people. I'm huge on exercise and eating correctly and feeding your soul. But we don't talk about that in AA. We don't talk about that in our 12 step programs at all, really. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. And like, I'm not, you know, 12 steps saved my life and I would not be here without it. And I do a little bit of step work, um, but not much. I don't really, I don't go to me unless one of my friends celebrates or something, you know, and I think the reality of it, especially now, like seeing all the younger people get into recovery, they've opened my eyes. Cause I used to be a hardcore trap 12 step, yep. reader,
0: <laughs> you know, and all the
1: sayings and stuff. And I just don't, I don't, I don't rock those. A lot of the ones like, um, you know, it's, you gotta be um, able to receive the love from everywhere right no matter what you know the humans that we serve not all go to 12 like they do holistic or or dharma or faith-based or abstinence you know or mat so it's just a it's just been a different world for like past five years or so and it's like you got to be open-minded to what that human is you know people are dying the rates are ridiculous so it's like we have to be more open-minded to like that person's soul and how they want to heal and the soul searching that i I have found whether it's traveling or doing my day-to-day routine that I do. I mean, I'm telling you, like, and again, I'm not perfect and I never will claim to be, but it's a damn good life to be able to like write about your shit. Yes. You know, write about yes. your stuff and not feel like shame. I feel like that sometimes is in that community, especially like if people yes. are in AP or or um in different, you know, sexual, you know, um situations and you know, it's really important to be able to kind of sit back and, and talk to a human to human. And I'm really big on that and see what works for them. Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, all of it helps me, you know, I do a little bit of all of it, I guess. Um, I'm not one pro. I just kind of do a little bit what works for me. And right. My life is awesome. And I feel good about myself inside and out. And, you know, I, I feel stronger as a woman physically and mentally. And, you know, that's what works for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with my Peloton right now. I'm going through Yes, me too. Yeah, for like <laughs> a year, but I love the apps. I do the shadow boxing. I did strength training this morning. I do core. I've done my first bar class. Cause the app, you can do everything. I meditation. everything, walking, running, I run, I do every, so it's like, it's well worth, um, the forty four dollars or whatever a month than a gym membership to me. So it's, oh heck, it's, it's so, so awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah, and the meditation is great too. The yoga, I like oh I, yes, I am one hundred and ten percent there with you. Um, uh, yeah. do have a question for you? Actually, outside of I am also a CEO. Um, I run a nonprofit for baseball, so not even related to recovery. But how important is it for you as a female in the recovery? um, world working with, um, all these people that you do teaching women boundaries, teaching women, like it took me a long time. I'm in almost 13 years of recovery. And I think I finally have started implementing boundaries probably like six to nine months ago because I was still people pleasing. So how hard is it as a female CEO and then working with women in recovery to teach boundaries? Um so well Okay. So people
1: ask me a lot about balance and I used to do PowerPoints. I used to do presentations on balance and boundaries and everything. I don't believe in a perfect balance anymore. This is just my opinion and how I live my life. I feel like you should give your all to whatever you're doing at the moment and you need to be able to break it down and what's the most important to you. So if it's your, so our son's in sports too. So if it's, I really wanted to go to Willie Nelson's 90 year um, celebration It's his Birthday, so like a boundary for me is I really want to go do this, but my son has a baseball tournament out of town. My son's yep. more important to me than yep. going to a kick-ass concert. <laughs> so it's like it's just those things. But like if something comes up and my son does have something, and like something a woman that really needs me, it just all depends on the situation. Yep. And the biggest thing about boundaries I've learned through all these years is not to be yourself up over them. So if you feel like someone in your life is toxic, um, negative, you, you break that shit down. Like you, I cuss a lot too. You break that down. Okay. You break it down on what that really means. Like I try to unpack my feelings and I was never taught feelings or anything as a child and an adult and everything's everything was smushed with drugs, but as I've become mature and wiser and an adult, it's like, you got to unpack those feelings. So you got to unpack what this person or this thing, if it's social media, if it's, um, a specific person or institution or whatever, you need to cut it out of your life to the best of your ability. So I've gone through social media phases where I'm off completely. I just did that last year for a little bit. It was just like toxic and so fake. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah. It's like, I know what these people are doing for fact. And it's like, look at me. It's just, so anyway, so, but that's not my shit to carry, you know? Nope. So I have to, I'm pretty good at boundaries saying no. Now it took me a long time. I'm 15 years in. So the past couple of years I've gotten really good, but this uh, year really, really, really good at it. Um, So my suggestion is really, you know, forgiving yourself. for for setting that bound, like, don't beat yourself up for setting whatever it is, whether it's your child's event, because you have to work, you know, I have to work and my family knows I have to, you know, um, my kids have always been the philosophy is McShen's motto. I'm healing family, saving lives. So you're not necessarily going to get the Abercrombie and bitch and whatever back in the day, you know, so like I set boundaries pretty clear, um, today and I, say, I'm going to do, I just did it yesterday. with somebody I forgot. I'm disengaging from this conversation. Oh, it was my little brother. I was like, I'm disengaging from this conversation because I don't want to hear what this person is doing or whatever. And then I change the subject or walk away. Right. It is our prerogative to live the best life that we can. I'm not saying be like a total B and like (laughs) everyone don't come, come around me and I'm the queen. It is if someone makes me not feel good about myself, I choose not to be around them or something or whatever it could be, you know, or specific show. Oh my gosh. Like with shows on Netflix or whatever that has too much violence, if it has anything to do with like, I have got, I used to watch scary movies, all this stuff. And I've just set boundaries. Like I can't sleep at night and I get anxiety and stuff because of my kids. And I'm like, you know what? now my husband watches certain shows that I just don't watch anymore with him. He's right. fine. He can watch it, whatever, and be fine. I am not like that. Nope. I do not things. So just like, you know, but, it, but as far as balance also is like, you got to, for me, I had to have goals in life. I have to set uh, realistic goals and work hard to get to those. Like with my book, I had to have goals to finish it and promote it,
0: you know, and, and and go to conferences and do whatever. So that is so awesome. And I think, you know, I just love so much of what you hit on while you were talking and sharing your story. And I think a lot of what you have done to be successful, you know, like you said, in the beginning, God had a plan for you and, you know, so going to, you know, 28 day treatment, going to 12 step meetings, you know, there are some people, they don't want to heal until they're ready to heal. They don't want to stop until they have to stop. And not everything is going to work for everybody right away. And I just really appreciate like your candor and being honest about that, because I feel like there's a stigma that you have to get it right away. And yeah that could be further from the, you, you know, you hate to see people go outside and pass away. We do, we hate that. Yeah. But at the same time, like shaming people for not getting it right away or talking bad about someone because they don't understand or they can't grasp it. You know, that's just something that is really important to me. And I hate telling my sponsees like, You might not get it right away, but we're going to try and help, you know, and and some have it. And it sucks. But I also believe then there's cases like you that just end up so beautiful and so powerful that it shows that there is capability to become more than just what you are, more than your drug, more than your bad habits, more than your past.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how we empower everyone, whether it's any human doesn't matter, you know, but for me, it's really, I try to focus on moms. I'm really try to empower them to forgive themselves in so many things, whether we pop up on our kid or, you know, um, I learned something the other day. It's not called self-care. It's called soul care, you know, and like, yeah, really focusing on the good in the world and there's going to be ugly and you're going to pop off and you're going to want to strangle people or flick them off or whatever, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I, I can, you know, I can come out of my shell pretty quickly depending on the situation, yeah. but you know, it's always how, how should I react and you know, how, can I show I'm very authentic person. If you get to know me more or read my book, whatever, follow me on social media, but I'm very authentic. Um, and it's really important to be. So I wish everyone was a little bit more authentic and honest and, you know, spread peace and love in the world. You know, I think this world would be changing so many aspects, not just the addiction recovery field. So yeah,
0: my husband tells me all the time. He's like, babe, you don't have to be so open about everything. I'm like, but I do because I am, I'm my authentic self. When I am, someone's going to see it. Someone's going to benefit from it. And it doesn't, the only thing that's off limits for me, and which is completely fine out of respect for my marriage is I don't talk specifically about my spouse. I will talk about struggles I'm having, but Mm -hmm. Outside of that, like if I'm not transparent about how I'm feeling, what's going on, what's happening in my life, I'm not only doing a disservice to myself because I'm keeping all that in. I'm doing Mm -hmm. service to the people that I'm trying to help because there are so many times when I haven't shared anything and then some and then I will and someone will be like, oh, my God, I thought I was alone in that. And that's just transparency and vulnerability is so beautiful so I'm really excited to read your book because you're just like me you're just like yep this is me this is who I am fuck it like if you don't like it too bad Yeah. And it's also like for the professionalism too.
1: It's like, you know, I know how to be authentic and rooted Mm -hmm. in my authenticity, but be professional, you know, but I also can say fuck a lot. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just, I I, I truly believe anything can happen any day. I want to leave this world a better place and I want to leave this world a better person, a better human. So why not?
0: you know what else do
1: I have to do exactly
0: (laughs) well give us your you the book is called scattered pink and you can get it on amazon you can get it on um barnesandnoble.com and chop suey books who is local to you and I here in the Richmond area they have it and they are in Carytown, which is one of my absolute favorite places um and what is your social media handle so people can find you and follow you Sure. Insta is um, actually Diary of a Woman
1: in Recovery and Facebook is Honesty Liller and TikTok. I'm now on TikTok I'm trying to figure this whole thing out, girl. I'm 14 <laughs> years old. I'm like, they're all it's just it was overwhelming so I stopped for a while but now I think I'm getting the hang of it it's pretty fun and cool I just did one right before I popped one here so um TikTok is honesty Liller. so yeah that's it but yeah and Scattered Pink is the book and thank you for having me this was a great conversation me and you we need to hit up go to coffee or do something
0: um I am totally in I'm totally excited and there's a group of girls on um Sober in Richmond that actually it was really funny because we wanted to go grab some Mexican food and the meeting place the one Place was in Chester and it's called Patron. And so we are all like, We're this going isn't gun <laughs> omen, yeah. At a place called Patron, they have the best Mexican food, I swear to God. So, oh, good, yeah. yeah. Well, hit me, hit me
1: if there's a link or a group for that, uh, message me that so
0: I can check it out. Yeah, and then I, you and I will definitely have coffee. I'll make my yeah. way to you. And it was really good talking to you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you later. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of A Sober Girls Podcast. I hope that you heard something that resonated with you and that you can take with you for the next week until we meet again. You can find me on Instagram at A Sober Girls Pod. You can also follow me and friends at Sober City Movement on Instagram as well. If you live in the Richmond area, follow me at Sober in Richmond, where we we plan local sober meetups. Or if you're just traveling and looking for a friend in the area, there's one of us in almost every city across the continent. Struggling and need help? Just remember that you are not alone. You can reach out to me and any of my friends on Instagram. Send us a message. Or if you are in immediate need of help, Please search out your sponsor, The Closest Sober Friend, or go online to aa.org to find a meeting that you can attend. There are also Zoom meetings, which you can find on aa.org as well. Have a safe week, and until next time, fam, be well.